You know, I know tonight is going to be very powerful, the, the, the time that I have with you, because I've had a terrible fever from last night. I've been in bed up until two hours ago, headache, um, uh, fever, just really feeling terrible. I lost my voice. I couldn't even whisper, barely whispered this afternoon. And I was like, Lord, like, heal me. <laughs> and I believe he has. Amen. Um, before I get into what I want to share, we have a gift for you. Uh, when you guys uh, leave, it's one of our DVDs showing the work we do in South Africa because we want you guys to come to South Africa on the missions trip in February. Are you coming by faith? Amen. We've got four teams in South Africa. Each one does a unique school every day. So we preach in assembly. We go into all the classrooms. We counsel 100 to 400 students per school. So when you come, no, you're not going to be sitting on the sidelines spectating. You guys are going to be participating. Amen. So we want you to grab one of these to see. Also, um, we developed this evangelism series. It's eight, it's eight teachings on different aspects of evangelism. Uh, you can get the CD pack or the DVD pack. Uh, only $10. We're going to be selling it outside. Amen. Now, did you all get your blank piece of paper? Okay, we're going to use it in a while. Uh, who hasn't yet got one? Just raise your hand. I see that 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 hand. Hands are going up everywhere. Hallelujah. We're having revival. I, I really encourage you to come every week uh, because evangelist Reinhard Bonnke developed what he calls the Full Flame series. Uh, you saw part one tonight, but he's got eight half an hour teachings on evangelism and he spared no expense getting them together. He used um, Universal Studios to do the production, the London Philharmonic Orchestra, Lucas Sound that does Star Wars, um, just the most brilliant people and it costs multi-millions of dollars to put together. So each week you guys are going to watch uh, a half an hour teaching before the lecture takes place. So that's also something to look forward to. But you noticed in the movie uh, that we just saw, a lot of people wanted to discuss how to save people, but there were very few that were willing to actually get out the boat, so to speak, and do the saving. So what I'm going to teach you tonight is how to do the saving. Because we can meet you every week and discuss evangelism, watch evangelism DVDs, but unless you know what to say to a non-believer, you're never going to see anyone saved in your life. So you've got this blank piece of paper, and then we're going to give you the script, which I'm going to go through. The script is basically what you say to a non-believer to lead them to Jesus. But I want to ask you a question, and you don't have to put your names on it, but we're going to collect it at the end. And not to embarrass anyone, but I want you to write on that piece of paper and quickly turn it around so no one can see. And again, it's not to convict you. Well, it's to convict you, but it's not to condemn you or to make you feel bad. But I want to ask you a question. How many people have you led to Jesus this year? Okay, so we're now in November. So don't be, if it's zero, write zero. If it's one, write one. But um, we just want you to write that down and quickly turn it over. I'm not looking, I promise. Okay. So I'm going to get into now. How to lead someone to Jesus. How many want to know how, how to lead someone to Jesus? 
when I first got saved and, you know, different evangelists said, let's reach out and preach the gospel and plunder hell, populate heaven. That's great. You can be prayed for. You can fall under the power of the Holy Spirit. You can shake. You can do a million things in the spirit. But when you get up, do you actually know what to say to someone to lead them to Jesus? So the first thing you need to, to know when you're sharing the gospel with someone is you have to connect with them on a social level. So you walk up to the person or it's someone at work and you start talking about the weekend or, hey, did you watch the, the football match or the basketball match and, and how things going? Or maybe you're on an airplane and you're sitting next to someone. Oh, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to Orlando. There's a big conference. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm an engineer and I do this and you do that. What are you doing? You're connecting. Okay, no, let's not hand it out yet. Don't, don't hand it out yet because the answers are there. <laughs> So you start connecting with them on a social level. You start building a rapport. Once you've built that rapport, you need to decide, do you share your testimony, especially if you've got a lot of time, or do you go straight into the gospel? Now, why do you share your testimony? Your testimony makes you seem human to that person because you all look so cool on the outside that people are thinking, well, you don't know the pain I've been through. You don't know the misery I've been through. So when you share your testimony, it almost earns you the right to go further in your gospel presentation. The scripture says in Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So depending on how much time you have with this person will depend on how much time you've got to share the testimony. If you know you've got a five-hour journey on the plane, you can take 20 minutes to share your testimony. But if you've only got 10 minutes with someone, you may only have two minutes to share your testimony with them. Once you've shared your testimony, you need to assess where that person is at spiritually. Let me go back to your testimony. Your testimony is what your life was like before Jesus, how you received Jesus, and how wonderful your life is like now. Now, even if you weren't a murderer, uh, a bank robber, or a drug addict, a gangster, those are cool testimonies. But even if you've grown up in a wonderful Christian home, that's also a great testimony. Because you can say, you know what? I grew up in the most incredible home, a wonderful mom, a wonderful dad. They loved me. Uh, uh, my dad was successful. We did so well. He did so well. I went to the best schools money could buy. I had great friends. I had an incredible life. But there was still an emptiness inside. You see, that's a testimony. So every single person among us have a testimony. Then we go to the two diagnostic questions. Now, you know when you go to a doctor, the doctor examines you. How you doing? How you feeling? Where's the pain? Uh, how does this feel? They take something, they knock you and you're... You know, your foot goes out or they examine you. They put things in your ear, in your tongue. They're trying to find out what's wrong with you. So now when you're sharing the gospel with a human, not that we're aliens, but we are aliens, <laughs> you want to find out where they're at spiritually. So I'm now going to ask you the two questions I ask everyone when I share the gospel with them. And this really, really works. And the flip side of it is, you know, you can share the gospel with someone for an hour and you know they're not saved. But at the end of the hour, they say, no, 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 but I don't need to pray that prayer. I'm a Christian. But you know they're not. 
But these two questions define what a person is trusting in. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. You're going to write it down on the, on the, on, on the, on the, on the same page or the flip page. And then just fold it up so no one can see. And then I'm going to share. And we're going to see what your answers were. Okay, the first question is, if you are to die today, God forbid you're traveling home, something happens, are you going to go to heaven? So your answer is either yes, no, maybe, or you're not sure. So write down your answer on that white piece of paper that we're going to collect. So what that does is, I'm now presenting the gospel to you. That shows me what you believe. Question number two. Did you all write your, your answer for question one? Question number two. Suppose now you stand before God. And he says to you, why should I allow you into heaven? What would your answer be? So why must God allow you in? I'm going to give you a minute. And if you're not sure what, what it would be, what do you think it would be? What do you think the qualifications for getting into heaven is? can see people are still writing, so. so why must God allow you into heaven? And these two questions are what I encourage you to ask everyone when you start sharing the gospel with them. I notice we've got at least two lawyers in the room, and what lawyers do is they, they catch you in your words. So you better make sure that when you give evidence, what you saw at a scene or what you saw happen is accurate because they're going to cross-examine you. So that's what I'm going to do in, in a few minutes from now. I'm going to cross-examine you based on what you, what you wrote down. Has everyone written it down? Okay, stop writing then. Some of you are writing essays. This is <laughs> ooh, huge. Now, question number one. What, if you die today, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? If you wrote yes, or if someone writes yes, that doesn't mean necessarily that they are going to heaven. They believe they're going to heaven. If someone says, well, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, or no, I'm not going to heaven, then they're definitely not going to heaven. Uh, for sure. Because they're not, based on scripture. So, so question number two, so if you said you're not sure or maybe, you're not going. But, but I guarantee you, when I'm finished talking and we pray the prayer of salvation, you, you will definitely go to heaven. So I'm the doctor. You are my patients. I, you know, you might not like the news the doctor gives you. You know, the doc, doctors have give terrible news. It doesn't mean the doctor's a bad guy. He's given you a diagnosis, but he's going to operate on you or give you medication that sorts you out. A bad doctor will say, you know, take two panada and have a nice life and say goodbye to all your loved ones. You know, that's a bad doctor, but I'm a good Jewish doctor, okay? Dr. Davidoff, okay? 
Question number two, why must God allow you into heaven? Shows me what you are trusting in for your salvation. So a lot of people say, well, I'm a good person. I go to church. I read my Bible. I tithe. I visit the sick. I give money to the poor. That shows me that that person, hopefully not you, is trusting in their good works to get into heaven. They're not trusting in what Jesus did on the cross to get to heaven. Because the Bible says, it's by grace that you're saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, if you can get into heaven based on your good works, then why, does Je why did Jesus have to die on the cross? So a lot of people are trusting in good works to get to heaven. They're not trusting in the finished work of the cross. So, so when you ask in these two questions to your friends, you've got to pay close attention to what their answer is. You don't answer them like I'm answering you now. I'm just trying to teach you how to witness to someone. You want to assess what they are trusting in. Because like a good lawyer, in 10 or 15 minutes, you're going to come back and remind them of what they were trusting in. So it's important for you to remember what their answers are. And if you think you're going to forget, even say, do you mind if I write it down? So, so you, you believe you're going to heaven. So your answer is yes. Is that correct? Yes. Why should God allow you in? Well, I go to church, I read my Bible, and I, and I give money to the poor. Okay. So write it down if you think you're not going to remember it. Most people that are non-believers are not thinking along spiritual lines ever. You know, their minds are somewhere else on, on the elections, on politics, on sports, on how am I going to pay my bills and my kids on drugs or how am I going to pay their college education. So when you come straight away with a spiritual concept, it's quite, it's quite big for them. But the one thing most people believe in that there is a God. Okay, so what I'm going to do right now, if we can hand out um, our scripts, I know Carol had them. So I didn't want to give it to you before in case you copied what the correct answer was. <laughs> okay, so just while we're getting them, um, I'm going to go through the script. So most people believe that there's a God. And even if they don't believe there's a God, you still need to speak about God. So who is God? God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God is the one that made the, the mountains, the sea, the valleys, the rivers, animals, us humans. And that God wants to have a close, personal, intimate relationship with you. So as a soul winner, what you're doing right now, you're starting off with the elementary concepts about God. Not heavy stuff that is going to totally overwhelm them and they're not going to know what you're talking about. You're starting off with God. And most people have never thought in their wildest dreams that God loves them. I mean, I never heard, even in synagogue, God loves us. No, God was the guy with the big stick in heaven waiting to clubber us over the head. I mean, if we did something wrong. So you are now representing God and telling them about God. So God loves you, my friend. You are precious. You're valuable. He wants to have a close, personal, intimate relationship with you. You don't need to quote a scripture, but you can, if you want to, 1 John 4, 8, 
says that God is love. And God wants to give you this free gift of eternal life. Now say, I want to give you a gift. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying, say, say, you're giving this illustration. You say to the guy, who's your favorite band in the world? Oh, Coldplay. I love Coldplay. Okay, you know what? That's amazing. Coldplay is actually my cousin. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get VIP tickets. Each ticket is valued at $1,000. And I'm going to leave it at the stadium for you and your five closest friends. And that person says, oh, Jared, it's too much. It's too much. How much did you say? $5,000. Oh, here's $10 uh, for, for the gift. That would insult me. Here I want to give a beautiful gift. And that person wants to pay me. And in the same way, God wants to give us an amazing gift of eternal life. But we as humans try to pay him with our good works. That's why he made it that it's by grace that we are saved, not of works lest any man should boast. So once you've told that person how much God loves them, they're valuable, they're precious, the God that created everything wants to have a close personal relationship with them, you now have to give them a, an uppercut or, or, or the knockout blow, which is sin. So sin is like the downer. So they're all happy now. God loves them and wants to have a relationship with them. But now you hit them with sin. So you say, you say to the person, you know, God does love you, but there's a problem. The problem is sin. Sin separates us from God. And then you say to them, well, what is sin? Have you ever told a lie? That's the sin. And if they say no, they're, they're lying right there. Have you ever stolen anything, even a dime from your mother's purse? Have you ever cheated in an exam as a kid or in your taxes? Have you ever committed adultery? Have you ever slept around before you married? Well, the Bible says that every single human being is a sinner. And our sins separate us from God. He loves you, but he hates the sin. And God says, I will by no means let the guilty go unpunished. And those people that are guilty are us because we've sinned. We've broken the laws of God. And then there's something called the omelet illustration. It's on at the back of, or it's on page two. So now you want to illustrate to them exactly what sin is. So, so you can say to them, imagine we, we're hungry right now and we want to make an omelet. And we crack open 10 eggs. And we put in all the, the spices and all the, the things that go with this beautiful omelet. But omelet number 10 is a rotten egg. It's smelly, pussy, bloody. It's disgusting. And we throw it in and we, <laughs> we mix it around. And now I dish it up to you. Would you eat it? I know Drew would, but would the rest of you, <laughs> would the rest of you eat it? Maybe on Fear Factor you'd have to eat it, but... But no, you wouldn't eat it. But why? They're nine perfectly good eggs. There's only one egg. But nine great eggs. But that one egg contaminated the whole omelet. And in the same way, there's a lot of good things I'm sure you do. You really seem like a really great person. But there's some rotten eggs in your life. Now psychologists say we think, now don't, Forgive me if I'm wrong, I was taught this, but psychologists say we, th we think 10,000 thoughts a day. 10,000 thoughts. 
Imagine how many of those thoughts are, are sinful. Imagine you only sin three times a day. In one year, that's about a thousand sins. Imagine you live until 70. That's 70,000 sins. Imagine standing before a judge in a court of law with 70,000 offenses. They, they'd lock you up and throw the key away. It's game over. But we, that's how we are to God. There's a lot of good things we do, but a lot of bad things we do. So my friend, God loves you. You're valuable. You're precious. But you've sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. And that sin separates us from God. But there's a solution. You want to know who that, what that solution is? God solved the problem in the person of his son, Jesus. And what you now begin to do, you begin to talk about Jesus. Now, I've given a whole lot of things just from, you know, how I preach the gospel. Um, but you can make the, go the gospel your own in the sense of just talk about Jesus, the miracles he did. You know, Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. He made the cripples walk. He raised the dead. He cast out evil spirits. There was a woman caught in adultery. They wanted to kill her. Jesus forgave her. He took her place. Jesus went to a, a funeral and, and the kid died and Jesus rose the, the kid back to life. Jesus did many, many miracles. And you begin to build their faith because that's what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. Not Noah, Moses, Paul, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The gospel is the news about Jesus. So when you share in the gospel, you need to make sure that Jesus is the theme of what you're speaking about. And the Bible also says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when you as a soul winner are trying to get someone healed, what do you speak about? Healing. Deli you want to get them delivered from from addictions in their life or demons, you speak about Jesus the Deliverer, how He set free the man of the Gadarenes, how He came to set the captives free. When you want to get people saved, you need to talk about Jesus. So the two things in talking about Jesus is who He is, so all the things that He did on earth, and, and what He did. So who He is, He's the Son of God. He did miracles. He came from heaven to earth. He was sinless. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. And then what Jesus went through, which focuses on the crucifixion. So you can share how one night they grabbed Jesus. They beat him. They whipped him in the morning 39 times. When I'm preaching in a crusade, I really dramatize it. And, and I, I'll make like a whip and I'll whip and they pulled off. And, and sometimes you see people crying. Blood came out and it was terrible and they put a crown of thorns and hid it on his head. They marched him through the streets to the cross of Calvary. They lined up his hands and his feet, took thick rusted jagged nails of steel, one by each hand, one by his foot, took a hammer and smashed it. And the person that you're speaking about really needs to feel almost like Jesus is being crucified right before their very eyes. They need to feel the, the weight of sin they need to be convicted that their sins put them on the cross. You know, like when you're a little kid and, and, and you really mess up and you really like do something bad, you, you break your mother's favorite vase, vase. You, you, you smash something very, very valuable. You know a serious consequence is coming your way that's going to, the consequence is going to end up on your tush. 
because your mom's going to smack you. So people need to feel when you're sharing the gospel with them that their sins is what put Jesus on the cross. Because if they don't take that seriously, they're not going to value what Jesus went through on the cross. Every time I watch Passion of the Christ, I bore my eyes out because I know my sins is what sent Jesus to the cross. But then comes that appreciation for what Jesus did by dying on the cross for us. So once you've, you've, you've shared how they beat Jesus, they whipped him, they spat on him, they ridiculed him, they marched him to the cross, they crucified him, you need to share how he was dead and in the tomb. So one of the things I always, depending on how intellectual the people you're speaking about, uh, speaking to are, I normally share, you know, he was examined when he was dead by his disciples, the Roman soldiers, and the Jewish leaders. So it wasn't just his disciples that examined him to make sure he was dead. It was his enemies making sure that he was dead. Then they buried him in a tomb. One day went by, two days went by, Jesus was dead, buried, and in the tomb. But on the third day, he rose from the dead, and Jesus is alive. And when you're sharing Jesus is alive, get happy, okay? Because that's good news. Now that you've shared that, you, you want to bring them to the, the, the moment of, of decision. It's like you've got the greatest vacuum machine in the world, okay? And, and you really believe in this vacuum machine and it's a great vacuum machine and you go into a person's house and the man and the woman are there. You take a bag of dirt, you throw it around the house. They're freaking out. What the heck is going on? And you take that vacuum machine and in like three minutes, the whole place is spotless. And then you say, ma'am, it was so great to meet you, sir. It was so great to meet you. You walk out the house. You would be a terrible vacuum machine salesperson. You've got to close the deal. In the same way with the gospel, you've got to give them the opportunity to receive Jesus. So sharing about Jesus isn't enough. You have to now say to them, does this make sense to you? Would you like to receive Jesus? Then there's the two questions. Those two questions. Remember those two questions that I asked? If you die today, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? And why must God allow you into heaven? You've now got to remind them of what their answers were. So the correct answer is, my friend, if you die today, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? Yes. Okay. So far, one foot is in the door. We're not sure if they're in the kingdom yet. Until they answer question number two. So why should God allow you into heaven? That shows me what they're trusting in. Because the Bible says you believe that, the, that, the, that there's one God. That's good because even the demons believe. So believing and trusting are two different things. So why should God allow you into heaven? Because of what his son Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Dying for my sins. And now I trust in him. That's the only reason I'm going to get into heaven. But now if a person said... Yes, I believe I'm going to heaven, but they were trusting in good works. You need to remind them. So you say to them, Johnny, 
Remember when I asked you that first question, do you believe you're going to go to heaven when you die? You said yes. But when I asked you the second question, why must God allow you into heaven? You said, I'm a good person. I read my Bible. I go to church. Can you see that you were trusting in your good works to get to heaven? You weren't trusting in what Jesus did on the cross. Then there's a great illustration called the, the chair illustration. Can someone, do? can you just, oh, thanks. Can I just have a chair? Thanks. So say you're in a restaurant or you're sitting somewhere or you're sitting with your friend and there's an open chair. It only really works if there's a chair around. <laughs> but I say to Brett, Brett, can you see this chair? Yes. Now, Brett, if you go and sit in this chair, do you believe it's going to hold you up? Okay, he says yes, but we don't know for sure. I could have booby-trapped it. So when you sit in it, I press a button and, and it falls down. The only way you're going to know is if this holds you up, is if you come and sit in it. So Brett, remember when I asked you that question, do you believe you're going to heaven when you die? You said yes, but when I said, why should God allow you into heaven? You said, I'm a good person. I read my Bible and I go to church. Can you now see that you were trusting in your good works to get to heaven? You weren't trusting in Jesus. So I'm just making it up now. That's not what he said. So I say, okay, Brett, this is what I want you to do. Let's just say this chair represents Jesus. I want you to get up. And if you can get up quickly, Brett. If you can get up from there and come here and sit down here. And relax. Can you see the chairs holding you up? So your whole life, you were trusting in Brett, in your good works, your religious customs, tradition. You went to church every Sunday, but you weren't trusting in Jesus for your salvation. You were trusting in your good works. So what you've now done as an illustration, you've moved from Brett's chair to Jesus' chair. So you need to transfer your trust from yourself to Jesus. Does this make sense to you? Would you like to transfer your trust to Jesus and receive him as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I will. Amen. Thanks, Brett. Thanks. You can sit back. Thanks. So, so, so you can see you, you need to get people to make that kind of a decision. Okay. And then, and then you pray the prayer of salvation. And I've given you an example. You just get the person to close their eyes and say, just pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus I believe in my heart you're the Son of God. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord is saved. So the moment they pray that prayer, they're born again. They've gone from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. They've stopped trusting in their self and their good works, and they've transferred their trust to Jesus. So just to make sure... All of you are trusting in Jesus. Let's pray this prayer together right now. Because maybe you were trusting in your good works. But what we're going to do right now, you're going to transfer your trust to Jesus. And know for sure that if you die today, you're going to heaven. And the only reason you're getting into heaven is because you're trusting in what Jesus did on the cross to get you there. Amen. So let's all close our eyes and let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe in my heart. That you are the Son of God. 
I believe in my heart that you died on the cross to take my sins away. I believe in my heart that you were buried and on the third day you rose from the dead and you are alive. And right now I give my life to you. My spirit, my soul, and my body. Everything I have, everything I am, I give to you right now. From this moment on and forevermore, I will follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, there isn't enough time today, so I'm going to ask Pastor Phil if we can do it next week. But I want you guys to start practicing this. Because this is the script you're going to need to share the gospel. So practice it by yourself. We've even had people go home, practice on their, on their family, and their family get saved. Like, hey, mom, dad, husband, wife, cousin, uncle, my, my young niece or nephew, uh, we've been given some homework for our, this course I'm doing. Do you mind if I, I, sh I practice on you? No, sure, sure. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so busy. I'll take you to McDonald's afterwards. Oh, no, sure. Look, <laughs> practice away, practice away. Uh, well, let me first share my testimony. They said I must share my testimony. And you share your testimony. Then you say, do you mind if I ask you two questions? Yeah, sure. If you die today, are you going to heaven? Oh, wow. And, and, and this way you're going to practice. And what normally happens is you'll have the script in front of you. But the more you practice, the less you will have to look down at the script. And it becomes part of you. And let me say, make the script your own. So you may have scriptures about God and Jesus and sin that are already embedded in you, in your spirit. Use those. You may have great illustrations about sin, about Jesus, about God, about the resurrection. Use those. This is just a guideline. So, so, so make it your own, and, and we, want to, we want you to practice. So eventually, you guys are going to be practicing on each other, not even using this. And I believe ultimately, in the next few weeks or whenever, we're going to organize an outreach. Amen? And we're going to go somewhere, two by two, and we're going to hit the streets or go to Balboa Island or go somewhere and split up and just go and be led of the Lord who to speak to. And you just walk up to them. Hey, how you doing? I'm Johnny. This is Mary. Oh, gorgeous day, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so wonderful. Land. And oh, where, do you live on the island? Or da, 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 da. Hey, do you mind if I ask you a question? I know you're not ready for it, but let me ask you anyway. If you were to die today, <laughs> if you were to die today, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? And, and see what their response is. And just be led of the Lord. And, and I never took drugs as a kid, praise the Lord. But when I led my first person to Jesus, it was the greatest feeling. I was like, are you sure you want to receive Jesus? I thought, wow, God can actually use me. And, and seeing how God is going to use you is going to change your life. 
we've had the quietest, shyest, most introverted human beings I've ever met in my life come on our evangelism. We have an evangelism school in South Africa that runs January to March, and then those that stay for practical stand till the end of the year. But we've had some students that can barely even look you in the eyes. That first week, going to schools, that, that can hardly even do anything. I kid you not, by week two or three, they're preaching to a thousand kids, leading hundreds to the Lord. So no, no one can tell me, you know, I'm too shy, I'm too quiet, I'm, I'm too introverted. I'm telling you, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God the Father, is going to transform your life. And, and, and it's a case of the more you practice, the better you get. So start off practicing in the mirror. Practice on, on if, if your kids have got some dolls, line up all the dolls. Line up Fifi, your multi-spudel, and preach, Jesus said preach the gospel to every creature. Preach at, to Fifi. When I got saved, I used to go to the cemetery and preach to the tombs, tombstones, seriously. Hello, everybody. So happy to see you here. I've got some amazing, and I, I went to the Jewish cemetery. So you can imagine, I, imagine a rabbi was behind the corner and heard me preaching. Maybe he got saved. But the more you practice, the better you get. And eventually you won't even need this. It, it's like second nature, second, because it's, it's, it's in you. And I believe the Lord wants every single one of you to be equipped to witness as a lifestyle in your work, to your family, to your cousins. You know, I've even got Jewish family around the world that I've written, I've written the salvation message out and sent it with one of my DVDs to them. You can type this out and, and email it to your friends or family members around the country. You can do it face to face like I've taught you today, but you can write it in a letter and duplicate those letters and send it to all your relatives. It's that scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That word, faith comes by hearing, hearing, it's the Greek in the continuous text. So faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. A lot of us only really believed in healing because we heard about it so much. Faith came into our spirits. And the only reason we received Jesus when we did, some of us may, it took nine months for me to receive Jesus. But I had people telling me about Jesus like all the time, showing me in the Old Testament how Jesus was the Messiah. And faith began to build in me. So the more you practice, the better you're going to get. Amen. Let's put our hands together for Brother Nathan. Jared, that was so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Just a couple of uh, last minute things. If you are signed up for the Bible Reading Methods course, which is on, again, September, no, November 22nd. Thank you. Saturday, November 22nd. We do have the books now. This is your book right here. Uh, It looks thick. It's a really easy read. So don't be intimidated by the size of it, but you do have to have that read when you come to class. Um, And if you want to sign up for that, there are now two computers outside that are just taking um, registration for the course. If you've already signed up on the paper that we had, uh, you're good. You're already in our system. But if you're like, hey, yeah, I really want to take that, then um, you can do that. You can sign up for the class on the computers right now. The books are 15 bucks, Or you can, if you want to buy it online or something, try to find it cheaper, you're welcome to do that but we do have them for sale. Um, If you are here tonight and you're not yet registered for this class, you can also do that. There's one computer out there that you can do that on. Um, 
and then if uh if you are carla um if your name's carla i accidentally exited out before you submitted your um that you were here so i want to make sure that you get credit for tonight so just find me whoever you are okay cool yeah just find me well now i know (laughs) anyway okay last thing um if we can have your help by tearing down chairs and tables if you have time to stick around then that would be fantastic and uh last thing i just want to i know i just said one more thing just kidding um no, seriously, last thing I want to encourage you with, this is something that came from uh, my high school pastor back in the day, and he said, I just always assume that everybody wants to hear about Jesus and is ready to receive him. I was really encouraged by that when I first heard that, because I was like, oh, what a great mentality to just live under and to operate by. So when we are sharing the gospel, the person's already ready. They're, uh, they're prime, you know, they're, they're ready, they're ripe for the harvest. And so let's pray. Let me bless you guys as we leave tonight. God, indeed, the harvest is plentiful. And God, um, I just ask that you would send out these laborers into the field to uh, to really just partner with you, Holy Spirit, in how you are reaping from this harvest. Lord, let us uh, get to see and get to experience the joy and the pleasure that comes from partnering with you and seeing souls saved. We just thank you, Jesus, that that is who you are, that that's where your heart is, that you desire that Uh, No one would perish apart from you. And that you so love the world that you would lay down your life. And we bless you because of that, Jesus. Would you bless us now as we leave? Give us courage and strength and inspire us. In light of the the resurrection, in light of your sacrifice, and in light of the fact that you are also here with us through your spirit, inspire us now to go and preach the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great night.